But the reality is, if you want to make money and you want to make more money, you shouldn't have to struggle your whole life. Uh, you shouldn't have to agonize over making money. You should just start thinking about what problem you can solve and figure out how to immediately solve that need for customers, right? Welcome to the New Wave Entrepreneur, where we dive headfirst into Web 3.0, personal sovereignty, spirituality, and psychology. These conversations are unfiltered access to brilliant minds and actionable advice that will prepare you for the rapidly changing world. So, jump in. The water is warm and the tide is rising. Uh, my friends, welcome back to another episode of the New Wave Podcast. Daniel DiPiazza checking in with you here. So happy to have you. And uh, today we have a really, really cool episode in store for you. This is a throwback Thursday where I'm going to let you hear uh, my talk called The Three New Truths. And uh, I won't spoil this in case you haven't heard it. It's from 2015, so it's actually a while ago now, which really, uh, it kind of, it's nostalgic for me because I feel now that I truly am building a career. I've been working in the public eye for almost 10 years now, over 10 years really. This, was, this wasn't even the beginning of my career, uh, but this was at the, at the beginning. And I've been working uh, towards, uh, towards developing and developing and honing my message for the past 10 years. And it feels cool to hear uh, my own perspective, which has uh, certainly um, evolved, but also, but also kept a lot of its... Uh, it's same youthful intensity, I would say. And so I hope that you enjoy this conversation. It was recorded at uh, Import Summit, which was hosted by my friend, Will Mitchell, who runs a company called Startup Bros. And this is a pretty great uh, summit. I shared the stage with Damon John, uh, Elliot Hulse, and a few other people. Uh, really enjoyed my time there. And uh, oh, I remember we stayed at our hotel, the guests, or the the um, the... The speakers stayed at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Orlando, which was so nice. And when we arrived at the lobby, they had champagne, and we went out and we got some really good food, and they had great room service too. And I probably ran the room service bill up pretty considerably. But anyway, that was my that, that's my memory of this of this talk. And truth be told, I had I, I kind of knew what I wanted to do, but the night before. I just got so drunk. I got so drunk at the party uh, because I was on day two of the conference, I believe, and day one, I got so drunk that night before, which I don't really do anymore. And I woke up the next day and I put together this whole slide deck and it turned out pretty well. And the the talk that I give in this uh, this snippet is a pre- preview to what became uh, my Rich 20-something book, which uh, which cemented the first stage of my career. So anyway, that's the context for this story. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, yeah, you know, check out newwaveentrepreneur.com to get all the updates on everything we've been doing so far in the community. We Not only do we have the entire uh, catalog of all our episodes listed there, but we also, have, uh, we also have dates for the next New Wave Experience dinner that we have coming up. Uh, we also have uh, workshops. We have free stuff on there as well. So just make sure you check out newwaveentrepreneur.com and make sure that you, you subscribe uh, to this uh, this show on whatever platform you like listening to it on iTunes, Spotify, uh, YouTube, whichever you prefer, and leave a comment and a review. It helps us to improve the show. And that's what I got for you today. Let's jump into today's Throwback Thursday with the three new truths. 
so I'm really happy to be here, and I want to drop some more knowledge on you, but I also can't wait until I'm done, because I want to see Elliot speak, and I want to see Damon. So like, it's kind of a juxtaposition. But um, I want to talk to you guys today about what I call the three new truths. And I want to talk to you also about kind of my journey and give you guys some perspective on what it's, take, what it's taken to get from where I was to where I wanted to be. And we talked about this a little bit at the branding panel um, about how things don't happen overnight, but in reality, with the speed of uh, the way business is moving nowadays, it basically is overnight. And, and so the first thing I'm going to tell you about is, well, let's talk about millennials. Let's talk about our generation. Why are, or are we so fucked up? Look at this. Look, look, at, the, look at these selfies. Is it, is it any wonder that other generations think we're crazy? Um, and I want you guys to, to think in your head, and I want, to, want you guys to pose a question to yourselves. Do you think that the millennial generation is entitled? A lot of people, a lot of people um, uh, magazines and different news outlets say that this generation is selfish, that we're narcissistic, that we only care about ourselves, that, uh, you know, I mean, why is, the, is that woman dead? Like, what's going on with that dude? But, a lot of people say that we're the entitlement generation, and I want you guys to, to really uh, leave that question in the back of your mind so that we can answer it later, because I have a few thoughts. Um, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the, the moment where I felt like I wanted to die. Um, back in 2009, just graduated school, graduated from USF. Anybody USF here? Anybody? Whoop, whoop. One person? In, we're in Orlando. Okay, thank you. Uh, <laughs> oh. We can't talk about that, we can't talk. Um, so back in 2009, uh, graduated school, and as we all know, when you graduate, you're kind of hit with this crossroads. And so, and everyone goes through this. This is the typical coming of age struggle, typical coming of age story. Everyone's familiar with this. I was, I was met with two paths, and so I had a great time uh, in school. I'd traveled for several years. I'd really gotten to meet some really cool people, and then I was kind of slapped with the real world thing. So the first thing, that I was left with was option number one, more school. How many people finished school and then immediately went back and did more school? Anybody? Yeah? So what does that mean? That means associates, you get your bachelor's. Bachelor's, you get your master's. You know, PhD, JD, BD, MD, DD, DD, all Ds, right? Um, they're, all, <laughs> they're all really expensive, right? Um, and so there are, there are two reasons why you go back to school, right? One reason would be because you've really found something that you, you love enough to devote another three to, I don't know, what, 10 years, right? 10 years. You really love something. And two, you, you found something that you're willing to spend another $100,000 to learn. I couldn't find anything like that. There are, still, there are still a couple things out there that might be worth going back to school. So, and really, it's, it's just that the gatekeepers are still in place. So doctor, lawyer, engineer, those things, you, you kind of just have to go back to school. You have to keep continuing that path because there are those, those walls in place that you can't surpass. But I didn't want to do any of that. So for me, it just wasn't worth it, um, much to the dismay of like 90% of my family. But that's just what it is, right? So what's option number two? We all know this one. Climb the ladder, right? How many of us, <laughs> who, what, I just, there are some weird, if you just type in anything on the internet, you find weird shit. How many of us graduated and immediately went and like found it? Like you get, you get your resume and then you find something that's like sort of in your area and then you do that thing for an indefinite amount of time trying to work your way up. Anybody? How many? Most of us, right? Most of us do that, right? Or you do like the, like the spray and pray thing where you send out a thousand resumes and you hope one sticks and it's not really in your field but it's kind of something that makes money for the time. And to be honest with you, 
This was actually in the beginning when I was when I was just getting out of school and I had some friends who had graduated a few years before me. I was actually kind of in a way jealous of these people because you got to think, you know, um, twenty twenty one. To me, when my friends were making sixty or seventy thousand dollars out of college, I'm like, damn, that's a lot of money. Like maybe that's a good path. And I think that's what sucks most of us in, right? Because we want that immediate, we want that right, we want the immediate gratification, and it feels good to be making money because basically every college student is poor, and that's kind of like the allure. That's the allure of that. But for me, I knew that working my way up the ladder was going to be a special type of hell, a special type of hell. And so I couldn't do that. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. But because I rejected those two options, no more school, no climbing your way up the ladder, I was kind of left with not that many options. And so I had to work essentially every job. And when I say every job, I mean everything. Um, I did what? I, I did door-to-door sales. I did. Uh, I worked at... Uh, a restaurant. I worked at. Um, I worked in a, at a museum. I worked at coffee shops. Why did I say coffee? That's weird. I had like an accent there for a minute. I worked everywhere. I worked at UPS with the brown short shorts. Uh, this is what I imagined looking like. Uh, <laughs> that's that's like really. That's like 95% close. My abs are a little better. But yeah, and by the way, I'm a fantastic delivery driver. Uh, but I don't lift the heavy things. I just do the early morning envelopes. Right. The really important legal documents. Uh, <laughs> worked at UPS, and, uh, and nothing really stuck. Uh, my last job was at Longhorn Steakhouse, which, by the way, um, I just Googled this like, right before I came here. There's one 12 minutes away if you guys want to like, round up in a van afterwards and go. I learned a lot there about steak, so I can tell what type of person you are by how you order your steak. Uh, if you get your steak cooked, well done, just please get up and leave. Uh, I never understood why, why would you want to get, like, I don't, I'm just going to get angry. I don't talk about it. Um, but Longhorn was my last real job, right? And, uh, and you know, the interesting thing about, about serving, which I'm not sure if some of you guys know this, is that it's not actually, it's not, you don't actually get a wage. Did you know that tipped employees, they only get like $2.13 an hour in Florida and in, in Atlanta, where I was at the time? $2.13 an hour. And what happens with that is, um, essentially, you, you, get, you, have, you have all this other work to do as a server. And so it's called side work, all these little, basically, this bitch work, like, let's be honest, right? So it's like, no, literally, it's like, it's like mopping the floors, it's like rearranging the sugar packets, it's doing all the shit that, you, that it takes to become you know, a well-organized restaurant. Anybody, former service in here, anybody? Yeah? Okay, so you guys are all good tippers, because you know how it is, right? Right, Karma, exactly. And, um, and what happens with this, with this 213 wage is that after taxes, all that's gone, right? And so all you end up getting is what your tips. So really, servers are getting paid only when they're serving, right? And so for me, that was really angering because I had a lot of work to do. I don't know if you guys can see that. That's in the corner. That's a little ramekin there. My job that they made me do consistently day after day was scooping butter balls. Like, no, literally, I would do this. I would probably spend like 12 hours a week scooping butter balls. And okay, so picture, picture this, okay? We had this long, this long galley kitchen, right? It's one of those big steel tables where they prepare food. And they would lay out, I would get in, they would lay out 10 trays, like, and I knew this was my station, like, Daniel, get back in there and do the butter, right? So each tray held 50 of those little black ramekins, right? And so there's about 10, so there's about 500 ramekins of butter, right? And I had to scoop those things, not getting paid for those. So one day I was scooping the butter and I specifically remember I was on 498 because there's 10 trays and you know, do the math, 50, no, no. I know how many fucking butters I scooped, all right? 
And, but the thing about it was the butter was still kind of, it was still kind of like, uh, like hard because it had been in the fridge for a long time. So the, it wasn't really a perfect ball. It was like this chunky little block thing that, was, that I was scooping out. And, and so my, my manager comes up behind me and he looks, he's looking very, very condescending, you know, because like he understands how butter balls should look. And he, he comes up behind me and he goes, those balls look like shit. <laughs> so obviously, as any self-respecting man would do, I go, excuse me? <laughs> he says, those butter balls, do them all over again. And without even asking me, what he does is he takes the trays off of the, off of the counter and he proceeds to fling every little butter back into the vat that we had and ask me to scoop them all over again. Now at that point, rage, rage and anger. And to be honest with you though, this is all self-contained because I didn't have the balls to actually go berserk, but in my head, I was raging. And, and it was at this moment and I know this sounds funny because like, you know, wah, wah, get over it. You're scooping butter at a restaurant, you know, get over it. But I had like, like kind of like an existential crisis. <laughs> Will this play? Oh my God, it plays. That's so cool. I had, I had like a come to Jesus moment, if you want to call it. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm, I'm in the back. Not only am I spending, you know, 10 plus hours a week scooping butter, but my butter balls aren't even good enough. There has to be something else I can do. There has to be a better way. And at this point, I knew I had to make a change. And I think we all, we all have had a moment like that in our lives. Have we all had a, have, has anyone had a moment where like, there was a permanent shift and you knew something had to change? You didn't know what it was, but you knew it had to change. You guys, show of hands. Yeah, all of us, all of us. Um, if you haven't had that moment yet, it's coming. It's coming, trust me. Uh, it might not be with butterballs, but it's, it will come. So for me, this was the moment. And, um, and I knew something had to change. And so I made a commitment that I was going to figure out this whole money thing in my head. I'm going to figure out how I can do something that's worth my time, get paid what I'm worth, and, and more importantly, figure out um, where, I wanna, where I want my direction in life to be. And, and at that point, I didn't know uh, what that would be, but the only thing I did know was that I deserved better. And this is what I want to bring your attention back to with our original question, which is, do you feel like our generation is entitled? I felt like I was entitled to better, but does that make me a bad person? Does it make me a bad person that I felt like I deserved more? You know, what, what does it mean to be entitled? Um, Time Magazine said this in 2013. They said that we're the me, me, me generation. Let me see if I can read this. Millennials are lazy, entitled narcissists who still live with their parents. Now, now the subtitle to this, which you can't see, is but they also could be a very good generation. But I think this does more damage than their subtitle helps us, right? A lot of people think like this about our generation. And I wanna challenge that. I wanna challenge the idea that we're entitled. I wanna challenge the idea that we uh, think too highly of ourselves. I think we can't think highly enough of ourselves. And that doesn't just apply to millennials, it applies to all of us. It applies to every single generation, right? Um, <laughs> this, is, this is funny, right? The thing is, Although our generation does feel like we deserve more, let's look back and let's think about, let's think about why we feel like this. And let's think about the generations that have led up to this point that make us feel like this. And it's, it's so funny, you know, I have, um, I have an aunt uh, who, who just died a few months ago and up until she died on the very last day, she was still getting, she was still getting pension checks from GM when she worked there. She was still getting social security. That shit doesn't exist for us anymore. It's a new world. There's, there's a different way to operate in this world. And this is so funny. There's a group of memes called, um, I think what's like old school Steve or like oh, old economy Steven, right? And all these, fails out of high school, gets job, buys house, retires happy. Like, do you, does anyone have people in their family who like they don't really, and this isn't a knock on anybody's family, but it's like, like they have completely regular jobs, but 
because of the time period they were born in, they were able to support a family of five working at a factory. You can't do that shit anymore. You might not even be able to get the factory job because the line is too long, right? We have to think of new ways to operate in this world where things are always changing. And we've been talking about that throughout this entire conference. Even, even the, the, at the branding uh, panel today, we talked about the idea that by the time you implement this stuff, if you wait, it's already going to have changed. So let's talk about three new truths that our, that our generation needs to embrace. And when I say our generation, I don't just mean, um, I don't just mean generation, what are we, Y, I guess, Y, millennials. I don't just mean people who are between 19 and 39. I mean anyone who's living right now. If you're living, you're part of this generation, right? So let's talk about three new truths. Here's the first truth. College is dead. Sorry, sorry to say, but college is dead. Um, there are very few things that you, can, that you can learn in college that you can't learn outside of college nowadays. And again, we talked a little bit about how there are still some gatekeepers for certain professions, doctors, lawyers. I don't want a doctor who like, learned on YouTube how to operate on me. You know? I'd rather have some sort of board-certified physician. That's just me, personally. But other than that, there's nothing you can't learn by yourself these days. And I also want to challenge the idea that college is even necessary to live a, live a happy life or to, to, um, to contribute something meaningful to society. Because that used to be the, the, um, the, the old maxim, right? Like, if you want to make something of yourself, if you, want to, if you want to be able to be a productive member of society, you have to go to school. What I would say is this. College, if you want to go to college, fine, that's your choice. But I'd say more important than that, start a meaningful project instead. If you have four years of your life that you're gonna to vote to college and you realize that maybe nothing in school you really wanna study, maybe, maybe you can find something that's worth your time. Maybe you can find something that you can devote that time to outside of just trying to go to school and staying in class. So what could those meaningful projects be? Well, if you're not gonna to go to school, what are you gonna do? Why don't you devote those next two to four years to learning something really deeply, like learning a martial art, traveling the world, Learning a language, like, and I don't, I don't just mean like learning a language like we did in Spanish when we would like watch those stupid videos and fill in worksheets. I mean like really learn a language and then go to the country that, where that language is spoken. Master a game, become really good at chess. If you're really interested in a subject, you don't need to go to college on it. You can read 20 books and know just as much as you'd know going to school for four years and you'd pay $100,000 less, right? But figure out what it is that's meaningful to you and then pursue that aggressively. You don't need to be in the confines of a university to figure that out. Now, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll back this up by saying, look, most of us have already graduated school or we've already made our choices in terms of what, you know, what's, what our scholastic career is going to be. But that doesn't mean that you can't start a meaningful project now. You know, there are so many things that we want to do with our time. We say, I wish I would have learned this, or wouldn't it be great if, I'd, if I was good at this, or I, I can't wait till I have time till the kids are out of the house so I can learn another language. Why are you waiting again? Why, why are those things, that, uh, why are those things that, that are holding you back really stopping you? They're not, right? So I think the, the, the new mindset to get into is what can I do that will enhance my life and contribute something meaningful to the world, and how can I start doing that thing now? If that thing is college for you, fine. But for me, I realize that there are so many things we could be doing with our time outside of spending it inside of a classroom uh, where we're only taking in part of that knowledge and we're paying out the ass for it. That's the first truth. Second truth. You no longer have to pay your dues. This, people are going to get pissed because everyone's grandfather in here walked uphill to school in the snow both ways, right? Everyone talks about this. You got to pay your dues. You got to put in the time. But just like we were talking earlier at, at, the branding, uh, at the branding panel, look, you can pay your dues and it will take some time, but you can get traction a lot faster now. And the way I like to think about this is you don't need to go through point B to get from A to C anymore. Uh, one way that I've done this in my own life and in my own business 
is by what I call the marsupial method. I think that's the next slide, right? So why marsupial method? Uh, well, what is a marsupial? It's a cute little thing. It has a little pocket, keeps the baby in there, keeps it warm. When I started my first freelance business, when I decided, okay, I'm leaving the restaurant, the first thing I did was I started an SAT, ACT test prep company. So um, this was a decision I made because in college, I worked for Kaplan. Anyone do Kaplan test prep when you guys were studying? Yeah, special type of hell also. But I'm pretty good at standardized tests, and so I was able to, I was able to teach that. And uh, one day, I went to a student's house when I was still working for Kaplan, and I was making about $18 an hour working for Kaplan, and I thought it was pretty good. But I realized, after looking at a brochure, that the family was paying $100 an hour for me to be there. And I'm like, wait a minute, hold up, wait. I'm driving all the way over here. I am counting the student. I am basically uh, um, being a shrink to these like neurotic Ivy League parents. I have to do all this work, and I'm only getting $18. You guys are getting 82 out of the 100. Doesn't make sense. So I realized the first thing I could do was, wow, take a skill I already have and figure out how to do it for myself rather than doing it through a middleman. And what I found was that I didn't have to start from scratch and try to, you know, I don't know, what, put a Craigslist ad out. How else would you get customers to, to come to your tutoring company? What I figured out was I can find people who already have my target audience, partner up with them, and immediately get customers, like overnight. Uh, the first thing I did was I looked for people, and this is when I was in Atlanta at the time, I looked for private admissions coaches. And what these people do is they prepare these Ivy League quality kids to get into these schools like from day one. Like they're working with these kids in sixth grade. And what they do is they tell them how to write their essays, um, how to prep for tests, you know, how to package themselves. But they don't actually prep them for the test. They usually outsource that. So I went to these private admissions coaches because I knew they had all these clients. And I said, look, I used to teach for Kaplan. I can come in-house for you and basically like white label myself essentially. I can come in-house for you and I can be your in-house test prep coach. In return, you get to basically expand your business by adding a new product and a new service. Your clients love you, they stay inside your, inside your company, you don't have to send them out and I'll also give you some of that money back, right? Because before, all they were doing was basically saying, all right, go to Kaplan, go to Princeton Review and come back and we'll work on it. But now you get to keep them in house and I'll pay you in return. I'll, I'll split some of the money with you. So instantly overnight, I went from having no clients to a shit ton of clients, right? Because everyone needed this service. And so that's what I mean by skipping steps, guys. You don't have to start from ground zero. You just have to figure out where the workaround is. Creativity is the cure-all in this case, right? And so that's what I mean by developing these new truths, like trying to figure out where that workaround is, right? New truth number three. Uh, Making great money shouldn't be a lifelong struggle. And <laughs> I think this is something that a lot of us, a lot of us struggle with. Uh, it's a money mindset, it's a psychology mindset. But the reality is, if you wanna make money and you wanna make more money, you shouldn't have to struggle your whole life. Uh, you shouldn't have to agonize over making money. You should just start thinking about what problem you can solve and figure out how to immediately solve that need for customers, right? Uh, one example I like to use from this is the bike riding example. So here's, here's a quick analogy. When you're, when you're a kid and you're first learning how to ride a bike, do you care if the person teaching you how to ride the bike is Tour de France champion? Do you care if they're an expert cyclist? No, no. You just want to get that information because you want to get on your bike. A lot of us agonize in the beginning that we're not good enough, that we don't know enough, that we're not smart enough, uh, that, we, that we aren't an expert enough to teach someone something or provide a service. You know, like what, what if Elliot, you know, in the beginning was like, look, I, you know, who am I to teach someone how to do a deadlift? I don't know, who are you, right? Like you can do that. And the idea about consulting or the idea about helping people with a service or even a product is that 
If you can help someone get better results with you than they can get without you, that's enough, right? That's why it's okay to have your like kind of goofy uncle teach you how to ride a bike, even though he's not that good at himself, he's better than you and he can teach you, right? So that's the way we need to start thinking about making more money. It's not about being an expert all the time. You'll develop your expertise over time as you get better and better. It's about finding a problem that people have and solving that problem, right? So to wrap it up, change your perspective, change your life. College is dead. If you don't want to go, that's totally fine. And if you've already gone, still think about your meaningful project. Number two, you can skip steps. You don't need to go through B to get from A to C. Figure out where that creative little hitch is and capitalize on that, just like the marsupial method. Number three, making money isn't a struggle if you know how to solve a problem, right? So figure out where that pain point is. Figure out how to solve a problem genuinely for someone and stop obsessing about not being good enough because you are. Help people and it's a lot easier. That's it. <laughs> that's all I end. I just say, that's it. Thank you guys. Appreciate you. All right, my friends, I hope that you enjoyed uh, listening to today's episode as much as I enjoyed creating it for you. And like I said, you know, you can tell that things have changed and things have also stayed the same with me. And uh, this is, I've built on this perspective over the years. And if you enjoyed this, leave a comment. You know, what I've been doing is I've been putting uh, all of my my really cool uh, clips for the IG on the New Wave Podcast IG handle. So you can actually go to New Wave Podcast IG. That's the that's the actual handle on Instagram. And just leave me a comment on the video telling me how you thought uh, today's episode was and, and what you what resonated with you and, and what really hit for you. And uh, and I would love to hear from you. I read everything. I respond to everything that I can. And yeah, much love, guys. Uh, the water's warm. The tide is rising. Let's jump on in. Get ready to surf this new wave. Daniel 